Hi, Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems here. Sure, you may be trading stocks, ETFs, CFDs, futures, or even cryptos and FX, but how do you invest the money that really counts, including your retirement savings? Do you do it yourself, or do you feel you lack the strategies and confidence and have instead entrusted your retirement to a managed fund or financial advisor? Or to somebody else to grow and protect your biggest investment? Go to sharewellsystems.com and download a case study that dissects a real money portfolio, which has achieved a return of double the ASX 200 accumulation index since January 2016. Sharewell Systems is proudly powering the spotty Your Call Hour right here on Ticker. On Ticker, this is Spotty with Alio D'Amato. Greetings and welcome to Australia's Hour of Investing Power, the show that's as great as you want it to be. This is the Your Call Hour on Spotty, where for 60 minutes we get to shine the spotlight on shares and answer your questions live on air. So how do you ask your questions? Well, you can text us on 0480-079-089 and Dexter will be there to take your message. Um, to the person who rang Dexter uh, on the Monday, uh, unfortunately, uh, Dexter doesn't talk back. So if you're looking for love, you're going to have to text it through to him. You can't uh, actually uh, uh, call through. Uh, but uh, you can also email us, though, if you're a bit uh, shy on the old text machine. Uh, the email address is question at spotty.com.au. Now, don't stress, folks. Remember, we will be showing those details at the bottom of the screen um, throughout the show. So just have a look there and feel free to uh, enter into the uh, uh, general discourse. If there's a view you've got that's quite strong relative to what someone says, by all means, do add that. Uh, on top of the wonderful questions that no doubt many of you will be sending through, and I see there's a couple popping up on the machine right now, we also would love to see some first-time, long-time spotties asking questions today. So if you've been a bit shy up until today, then today's the day to break the drought. A nice bounce in the market always helps. So let's bring in our chief spotters, uh, both of which are highly experienced in this format, starting with the man who walks with the ghosts of Collins Street. Well, really, the place is virtually shut down at the moment, so there's nothing but ghosts down there. It's Simon Bond from Morgan's Financial. G'day, Simon. How are you doing? Hi, I'm great. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thank you very well. Enjoying that freedom. I, I trust you kept your pants on while you've been running up and down the street. Yeah, we're, we're okay. Out <laughs> a boy, bull markets will do that. So uh, the belts are finally tied on. But Simon, look for those that uh, may not have uh, um, heard you uh, talk on our program before. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, the business, and your area of expertise, just so people know what sort of questions they can send through to you? Oh gosh, uh, to show my to show my age, I started uh, <laughs> as a shorty at the Sydney Stock Exchange in my school holidays in 1976, which is probably about the time your parents were born, Elio, but- uh, That was the time I was, was born, the, actually. <laughs> and so I've been in the industry for, for since then. Uh, I was with a firm called EJ Morgan's uh, when the crash happened in 1987. And I was uh, with a firm, ANZ, <clears throat> ANZ McCorn for many, many years. And I've been with Morgan's for just on 20 years, just over 20 years now. Uh, and essentially just looking at, uh, at stocks i don't do financial planning i'm not into uh, i don't do options or, or futures or warrants we essentially try and find good businesses uh, a lot of the time they're smaller businesses do a lot of work on them and uh, and try and get it right i understand the company and then just put our clients into it for, on a medium to long-term basis so we're we're not really in the trading side of business yeah. So we get uh, we get an opportunity to to uh, to expand to to look at a lot of businesses and a lot of different companies, but specifically in the technology area. Mm. And that's going to be pretty hot in this particular time. So thank you very much for that, Simon. So and uh, yes, it's a topic du jour for sure. Uh, next, though, uh, well, he's actually a spotty debutant, though he's very familiar with the format of this show after doing it for many, many years at, well, speaking of ghosts, uh, the old Sky business. Let's uh, uh, give him a round of applause. A big welcome to Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. G'day, Michael. How are you doing? Good, Elio. Thanks for having me on. 
Oh, mate, look, it's, it's great, even though I've had to uh, virtually beg and scratch to get you on the show after all these months. But nonetheless, we, uh, we got you on board. Uh, perhaps take that as a sign of how bloody good he is, folks. But look, before we uh, do go on, uh, because this is your first time, Michael, would you mind telling all uh, the fellow spotties out there uh, just uh, you know, who you are, what you do, and also the way you like to invest, just so people know what sort of questions they can send through to us? Yeah, no worries. Um, obviously, first time on the show, but but as as you've as you've mentioned, um, uh, been doing the Sky Business stuff uh, when that was still around. So that that was ten years ago. So I've probably known you that long now, Elio. But yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all getting a bit older. But um, no, look, Fairmont <laughs> Fairmont Equities. Um, you know, I founded the company seven years ago now, and um, we're a small boutique uh, providing share advice. Um, our point of difference is that we um, do concentrate a lot on the technical aspects, so the charting side of things, um, which helps us with our entry points, but most crucially, um, it helps us with our risk management. So um, in terms of when to get out of something before it gets uh, too ugly. So, um, you know, we manage um, portfolios for, for you know, retail uh, investors, wholesale investors, institutions, um, but, but basically coming back to that, that technical side of things is, um, as I said, our point of difference. And of course, uh, Michael, I know you're quite uh, proactive on the social media channels. So for those that uh, you know, do want some good uh, daily or weekly tips, uh, you know, uh, Michael often runs over a number of his charts and the companies he looks at and does it quite in depth. By all means, do feel free to follow him on whatever social uh, channel gets you go. And uh, I'm sure he'll be able to provide his details via that. So we're locked and loaded now. All we need is your questions. So send them through now. The details appearing at the bottom of the screen there. But before we get started, a reminder that all the information in this presentation uh, is of a general nature only. It doesn't take into account your objectives, financial situations or needs and therefore should you decide to act on any of that information, yep, you've got to find a financial advisor. Past performance is no indicator of future performance and if you wish to uh, uh, go more in depth then please seek uh, someone who is licensed to give you that advice, of which both our guests today actually are, so you'll, you can contact them after the show if you wish. Now for the next hour, Spotty is proud to be powered by our sponsors, ShareWealth Systems. Since 1995, ShareWealth Systems has helped uh, investors protect and grow their share portfolio with a rules-based investing approach that gives them an edge over others. Now if you wish to learn more about the team powering our spotlight, then please go to their website, sharewealthsystems.com, and be sure to read all the relevant information before making any investment decisions. Now the market as we go to air is currently up 1.3%. This is one of those ripper out of the box days after what was uh, a very strong rally in the US overnight. Uh, bears were rubbing their hands the day before thinking finally the point had come. Well there's the big up yours to them today and uh, yeah I think it's left the bears as frustrated um, as a bear attending a vegan picnic. Let's uh, just call it that. Um, all right then so let's go into our questions uh, folks. I want to start with the big topic of the day. Um, buy now, pay later stocks. We've had a few questions come through in regards to them, but um, really interesting developments today, particularly uh, in regards to two stocks, OpenPay and Zip, both of which provided updates to market today, both of which showed astronomical uh, transactional value growth, as everyone expected. But both stocks are actually down at the moment. OpenPay, after being on an incredible tear in recent times, is down 14.5% at the moment, and Zip is down uh, close to 7%, actually just ticked over there. So Simon, I'm going to go to you first. The question really, at essence, has the bubble finally burst on the buy now, pay later space, or is this simply taking a breath um, on what is a continued long-term growth trajectory? Well, I remember uh, when Afterpay got down to $8 back in March, and uh, and everybody decided you buy the do you buy this stock now certainly we were looking at, at buying it at eight dollars but we're also <clears throat> selling the stock uh, at 20 24 25 30 dollars so taking profits along the way yeah. but now the stocks have uh, just raised capital i think at 66 dollars yeah. uh, the the founders have, have reduced their stake you've had uh 10 cent you've had a, a very big chinese uh, investor come into the stock and bid high and hard to get set. Uh, so the sector is, certainly to, to me, <clears throat> it looks like it's um, it, it's far ahead of where it should be, but gee whiz, if, if you look at the, the acronym that the market's always right, 
Uh, there's, there's more to go. And this is just a complete shift in the way that people are buying and spending their money. Now, I can't understand the valuations uh, that these companies are trading at at the moment. So I, I think probably the charts will, will give you a bit more of an idea than the fundamentalists at the moment in this sector. Yeah, that's a great lead-in because, I mean, uh, as Andrew Page t- uh, told us on Monday, you know, after pays on a multiple of 58 times sales, I mean, it's just insane to think that uh, you could go there. But if they meet their long-term vision, then we'll look at it in 20 years' time and go, geez, wasn't it cheap back at 60-odd dollars? So putting all that aside, and in particular, I want to focus, if I can, Michael, on OpenPay and Zip today, both of which have had that pretty aggressive pullback. What's your view on the broader sector as a whole? And then if you could just uh, tell us uh, what that recent price action in the charts is telling us uh, there for both those companies. I mean, obviously, it's, um, you know, we're, we're looking at sort of bubble territory, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a lot further to run. So you've got all the classic signs of, um, of that frothiness. I mean, it's always in the news now. It's, everyone's talking about it. Um, you've had this sort of huge increase in, in share prices. But um, at the same time, there has been you know, reasons for it in terms of the shift in, in spending patterns over the last few months. But, um, but I think the, the risks are well known in terms of, you know, there, there'd be regulatory risks down the road, potentially. There's, you know, there's now a lot of players um, all fighting over the same dollar. Um, and, you know, the, the increased competition uh, means that we won't see all players uh, necessarily be around in the next few years. But, but look, there's, there's the momentum uh, in these stocks. It's still there. Um, I think in the shorter term, we'll probably see uh, them come back because that big reversal in the NASDAQ a um, couple of nights ago uh, is telling us to expect a bit of weakness. Um, price action so far for these stocks um, over the, over the last couple of days is not telling me that the bubble's bursting. So I think what we'll get is a bit of an easing off over the next few days or so. But I think there's probably still another run. Uh, there's, there's another run to go in these stocks. So um, early signs yet. Um, sorry, early days yet for, um, for all of this. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, as, as Simon mentioned, I mean, it's you know, when the bubble bursts, uh, you know, you, you need to be out of it. And it's more looking at the charts to understand that because from a fundamental point of view, I mean, they, you know, no one cares about, about the fundamentals at the moment. I mean, even in a lot of uh, regular companies, for want of a better word, on the ASX, we don't know what their earnings are. So um, for companies like this, whether it trades on a PE of, you know, 9,000 or 10,000, whatever the silly numbers are, um, it, it almost doesn't matter. So you go with the momentum until you get that big reversal and we, I just don't think we've seen that big reversal yet. Yeah, look, I mean, there was nothing in those announcements that changed. Uh, if you'd bought them the day before, there was nothing in the announcement that was released that would change the view in regards to where you think the company's going and where its future lies. So it is a bit of profit taking, I dare suggest, on what has been exceptionally frothy uh, valuations. But, you know, um, I'd take uh, Michael's comments on board, yeah. though, that, uh, you know, I think it's a bit early to call the end of these guys. And, um, yeah, let's face it, if eventually they keep defying the odds, you'll have all those fundamental analysts with their tails between their legs upgrading forecasts, as we've seen with Afterpay in recent times. All right, then, gentlemen, let's go into a, um, another stock right now. Um, there was a stock today, interesting one, Origin, uh, which actually had a bit of a downgrade or write-down, sorry, wrote down some of the value of its assets. This on the back of also Woodside Petroleum, which... Uh, did the same. There seems to be a rejigging across the uh, uh, industry at the moment. Simon, just in regards to your view on Origin ORG, this person's been very patient. Uh, obviously, Origin has been a perennial underperformer of the All Ordinaries for quite some time now. There has been a little bit of a bounce in the share price, thinking it might be small graces, or is there another possible catalyst that could support its price moving from here? So just your view, Simon. But if you have a look at the at what's been happening in the U.S., the the shale oil guys and the energy sector has just been absolutely taken to the woodshed over the last uh, three, six, nine nine months, and it really began before the uh, the COVID nineteen uh, virus really hit home. It's it's 
tough out there if you're in the energy sector. You've got the cost of, of renewable energy coming down. You've got uh, you've got the climate change uh, people banging the drum about uh, whether it's about coal, whether it's about fossil fuels. There's a lot of a lot of balls in the air for uh, these energy companies. And if you sit back and you think, well, do I invest in a business on a needs or wants? Obviously, moving forward post COVID, you're going to say, well, what are the companies that uh, I, I need to invest in because people need those services, whether it's cloud computing, whether it's uh, internet related. Of course, energy and electricity is in the in the needs basket, not wants basket, but origins just always seem to be challenged in uh, in a share market performance. So uh, again, I, I would suggest that looking at a long-term chart and the downtrend for origin energy, I believe is probably still going to be a big challenge for them. Mm. Yeah, no, very true. And look, you know, they're getting competition on the retail arm with all these uh, pop-ups and then they're getting slammed on the other side with oil prices and energy prices coming down um, in the production side. So it's a bit of a challenge. And yeah, look, I think just, you just why make it harder for yourself than you need to, Jennifer? Um, there's obviously a lot of other opportunities elsewhere. Um, speaking of which, let's stay in the space. Michael, I might go to, uh, to you for this one here. Cenex Energy, mm. SXY. Uh, now, SXY has, uh, that question's come through uh, from Simon, uh, wants to know uh, our view on the stock. And it's a real interesting one. Yesterday, they came out with an announcement saying that um, they're increasing the size of their reserves. Today, they gave an update um, in regards to strong production guidance. They're um, involved in gas off the east coast of Australia, up there in Queensland, into Roma uh, and the like. And it looks uh, things have been going well. But in the specific, Simon says it's another good announcement, however, History tells him that it tends to pop and then it comes back to around 20 cents. Um, he says the brokers keep liking it though. When you look at their valuation, it looks cheap. He'd be very interested in our thoughts. So Cenex and the code is SXY. Yeah, he's right. It's, um, it, it just disappoints. It goes for a bit of a run and then it gets, it gets sold off again. So um, look, I think in the short term, the way it's trading, it looks fairly promising as if you know, I think it can head higher um, over the next few weeks. But um, as a longer term play, you know, I just don't have much confidence that um, that I'd get much of a return out of it. Um, I mean, talking about the sector, I'm actually optimistic on the energy sector. I think that, um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a sector where demand um, will increase over time, of course. Um, you know, I'm looking beyond um, all the shenanigans that are happening at the moment with this virus and, um, and clearly oil demand will, will, will bounce and I think the oil price will go with it. So I think longer term um, there are opportunities with, um, um, with the energy space. I just don't know if you're necessarily going to get it um, in, in Senex. I mean, I'd rather be looking at stocks like Santos and, um, and Woodside um, to get that energy exposure. Yeah, I mean, Cenex is a little bit more like a utility, really, because it's uh, finite. They're not that aggressive in exploration. And, yeah, gas, they uh, lock those contracts away for a very, very long time, so they don't get that support through price, although the demand for that is still very strong. Currently, uh, the stock is at $0.25, cents, so, yeah, it popped to 27 back to 25 pretty much articulating what Simon is used to uh, seeing. Um, staying with Simon, Simon, over to you. Another one, let's go into a space you're a little bit more familiar with um, in, back in the IT area. Um, EML payments, code EML is their code. Um, Shang has asked for our view in regards to um, whether we think it's a buy, hold or sell at the moment. Uh, for those that don't know, they're a payment uh, enabler whereby they provide the back-end services for things like gift cards and those cards that you have through uh, your online punters where you can go to an ATM and realise them. And they also provide other back-end payment gateways and support. And there are a lot of people thinking that with Wirecard going broke in, the, uh, in Europe, which is, uh, well, going broke, they're basically shut down due to fraud, um, that this would be a bit of an opportunity for EML. But the news flow has been pretty quiet. Just your view in regards to the company. Are you uh, a believer in this business, Simon? Well, isn't everybody in this space now? I remember that, uh, and just a bit of background, not talking about this company, 
you and I, Elliot, would remember the days when uh, you'd see a, uh, a press release from a, a West Australian company that's decided that they're no longer a, uh, a drilling company, then they're a cloud computing company, <laughs> or they've gone from being a, a cloud computing company to uh, to a biotech, or uh, a little while later they're uh, they've gone from being a biotech to a uh, uh, an electric ba- an electric battery provider, or so. So where I'm going with this is that. It's, it's a very much a crowded space at the moment for whether it's buy now, pay later, whether it's cloud uh, technology, whether it's uh, anything to do with, with the internet. The thing that always worries me about these sorts of businesses is, is who's out the back there that could blow them up? Who's, who's bigger? Who's, who's uh, got, uh, I suppose, uh, more firepower, so to speak? And of course, you've got the, the massive gorillas the fang stocks, as they call them, which just keep on powering ahead and ahead. And if you look at the fang stocks that are uh, plus Microsoft that are now 25% of the S&P, yet they uh, they employ less than 1% of the American population. It's it's hard to comprehend you know, how we're going to move forward with all of these companies that are now tech businesses. I don't know a lot about uh, this particular company, but I certainly know that the sector is is going to continue to be hot for some time, uh, and you're going to see more and more players coming out and getting into this um, in this area, as we've seen with the the open pays, the uh, the after pays, the zips, uh, the the, the lay by companies of these worlds. So uh, I don't think they're going to have this space to themselves. And you know, push pay was a a classic company that. That not a lot of people had any any knowledge of at all, and all of a sudden they took off like a rocket. And I saw recently where the, some two of the founders have sold a big chunk of their stock. Uh, Afterpay founders have sold down their stock, but yet the stock keeps going up. So fundamentals may may just go out the window on a lot of these businesses, and it's it's more of a momentum play. Yeah. Now, Michael, I will stay with EML on this one because it has been around for a while. I mean, one of the things that the world underestimates is the advancements of the financial systems which drive economic engines like the US and Europe, because really, if you scratch a little uh, deeper under the surface, they're quite archaic. And what EML do is they provide an option to uh, companies to, I suppose, upgrade their their front-end payment system um, because they'll have the back-end support without having to worry about everyone else catching up. Is EML a stock that you've had a look at before in the past? And what do you think of that price action at the moment? Um, Look, it is one that we've traded. And I think that's the the key is that um, you need to sort of have an open mind about these things and, um, you know, treat them as a trade because, um, look, I think with all these stocks that, that are hot at the moment, they you know, all that excitement enables some nice moves, but but it can turn around pretty quickly. I mean, we saw with EML when they had the February results, which, you know, on reading were quite good, but the market had bit it up so much that, um, you know, it had fallen short of expectations and the thing got um, hit very hard. I mean, we're looking at a at a share price that went from 550 down to about $1.50. Um, obviously, there was the, the virus there as well, but um, you know, they can really turn around and bite you. So, I mean, this is one that, you know, we did get back in in April and then when the market had a bit of a wobble in June, um, we jumped out. But, um, and price action at the moment still, to be honest, looks pretty poor. It's, um, you know, from a charting point of view since mid-June, it's been making lower highs and lower lows, which um, which tells me that momentum for the moment is, is to the downside. So, um, I think this one will get cheaper, but the, at some point, uh, again, it'll it'll turn around, and um, you know, and everyone will get get excited, and uh, um, you know, it'll make a bit of a move. But as soon as it as soon as it starts to get sold off, I think you have to turn around quickly and uh, and get rid of it. Shoot first, ask questions later, and mm. and not just sit there in love with the story because um, you know you'll do your dough in potentially. Well- Well, let's stay with um, payment gateways then, Michael, if we can. A question from Greg, who sent it last week. Apologies, I couldn't answer it then. Uh, And thanks for the reminder today too, Greg, by the way. Uh, Tyro Payments, TYR, um, Payment Gateway. Now, they're really interesting because they've taken it upon themselves to 
update the market every single week in regards to what sort of transaction values they're getting through their platforms. So though they, those that don't know, they provide um, point of sale devices to hospitality as well as to doctors and a range of other things. They've got a pretty killer board in regards to uh, their back end and they uh, listed not all that long ago. It pulled back like everyone else did in March, but since then its price has gone somewhat sideways. So Mike will be really interested to know what sort of price action would you be looking for here to convince you one way or the other that it's just taking a breath from a broader recovery or whether there could be a pullback? And uh, Tyro's code, of course, is TYR for those uh, following along at home. Um, the way it is trading does tell me it's taking a bit of a breath. So what we've seen is the share price head back up towards those February highs. Um, and naturally, there's been a bit of selling, but we can see that um, any pullback in the share price is um, is fairly flat compared to the, the prior run. So at the moment, we've got um, whatever selling is occurring, it's being met by um, some you know, almost equal buying just to get it to, to hover under the February high. And usually that's a bullish sign um, because once that, that selling is over, um, it can go on and resume the uptrend. Now, you know, looking at it as from a company point of view, as, as you touched on, Elio, um, you know, their payment systems are used in, in retail and hospitality. So that's the, I guess, the um, the sticking point with a company like Tyro um, compared to something that's, that's purely online. Um, you know, there may well be um, challenges ahead of it. Um, compared to some of some of these other tech companies. But um, look, price action at the moment looks pretty good. And I think what you'll find is, you know, if the if the economy does then start to reopen uh, in the latter half of this year at a rate that's a bit quicker than what everyone's pricing in at the moment, and at the moment everyone's expecting, you know, a fairly dire situation because of um, the outbreak that's happened in the last couple of weeks, you may find that that, that would be the catalyst to to help it head higher as um, uh, as the market starts to factor in a, a quicker recovery in those retail and hospitality sectors. Yeah, and I think we got those consumer figures today saying basically here in Victoria that's plunged off a cliff. But if you look at credit card data, you wouldn't know because that spending has been going up. I don't know what people think at the moment. These are really crazy times indeed. But if we can stay in the IT space, uh, Simon, and yes, you'll know this business because this was one of the pioneers back in the old IT days. It was basically uh, every business in the world or here in Australia at least uh, had one of these systems going. It was either them or my ob. Now, the company I'm talking about is Reckon. Their code is RKN. Uh, Philip has emailed us and would like our view in regards to this business. And uh, I think you don't have to be a rocket scientist to uh, uh, be able to tell that when it comes to uh, IT booms, this one's missed that, uh, that rally and it's missed it by some way. <clears throat> just to go back, <clears throat> go back uh, one step on the, <clears throat> pardon me, just on the, uh, the Tyro business, Tyro is a, is a great company. It's a, a real business backed by real people with a great board. And, and I would suggest that uh, from a portfolio stock position, it's much, much easier uh, to value a business like Tyro, who I, I think will, will have a real crack at the bank's uh, existing territory. And in time, if you have a look at a business in the US like Square that's gone from $30 to $130, you may very well find this is a company that will, will look back in time and say, gosh, that was a great opportunity during that COVID situation to be accumulating a, a, a great company like Tyro. But just on the, um, on the question about Reckon, I've followed Reckon for some time and it's just been such a, a challenging business for these guys to, uh, to to continue to run in. MYOB, which has been bought and sold and bought and sold, it was privatised, brought back to the market, taken off again. I think that the people that made the most money out of MYOB were the uh, uh, probably the, the banks and the... the corporate uh, advisors, yeah. <laughs> the advisors and the private equity firms. But, <clears throat> but if you have a look at a company uh, that... You could that they should have really emulated or looked up to, and they had the ground there uh, right from day one, and they, they just missed it. Is is zero, for example, which are trading at around last I looked about ninety two or ninety three dollars, and reckon really could have gotten into that space, but for some reason 
they just didn't make the muster, which is tremendously saddening because it was a, a, a business that had a, a great shareholder uh, a partnership with Reckon in the US. And I think probably the, the wheels started to fall off a bit when that arrangement with Reckon in the, the United States uh, didn't move ahead. There were some contractual uh, challenges and, uh, and they both went their own ways. But there's, I wouldn't give up on Reckon. Uh, certainly you'd have to have a look at, at how much cash they're burning through. Uh, again, the, the benefit for them is that they're not selling shrink-wrapped uh, product anymore. It's all available over the cloud. So it's probably worthwhile just doing a lot more work on it and rather than just giving up, seeing, seeing what uh, potential is still left there. Yeah, I don't know if I share that view. I mean, I remember uh, speaking to John Wilkinson, who was the founder of Reckon all those years ago, and uh, and even by his own admission, the, the mistake they made and the reason why they didn't do the cloud stuff is because he thought that businesses wouldn't feel confident enough to actually put their key financial data up uh, up there so that, you know, people like Rush... Yeah, people like Russians and Chinese, you know, being uh, going there and trying to uh, rip it out of them, but um, they were proven wrong. And the price trajectory of Reckon and Zero is evidence to that. All right, gentlemen, we're about halfway through. So just a reminder uh, to, uh, if you do have that question, to send us through uh, the details, uh, question at spotty.com.au or email us, or sorry, text us 0480-079-089. Now, remember, folks, next week, we're also going to three shows a week. It'll be Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, which is very exciting, so stay tuned for that. Uh, if you miss any of these episodes, you can't tune in live, then go to the website, uh, spotty.com.au. You can even see which guests are upcoming next on the show. Um, and uh, yes, you can also access podcasts, which are available there. But those podcasts are available on your favourite streaming channels as well. Although do note, I don't know why, given how big it is, but for whatever reason, Apple likes to take 24 hours before you post it. For when you, from when you post it to when it appears. So it ain't my fault. Don't shoot the messenger. I put it up there pretty straight, pretty much straight away. Just it happens to get taken off. And if you want to stay abreast of uh, what's going on in my world, follow me on social media, on Twitter and on uh, LinkedIn, um, or jump on uh, Facebook, uh, Spotty TV, to keep abreast of what's occurring on the program. Now, last week I mentioned also that the team powering our spotlight here at Spotty, ShareWealthSystems.com, have committed to another round of the program, and we thank them very much for that. Uh, now, ShareWealthSystems.com has been helping uh, uh, investors for a very long time now. They've been helping them stay calm and control in any scenario following a verified investment process that allows them to do better by doing different. Now, visit ShareWealthSystems.com to have a look at their new website that they've just launched uh, with the key message, investing is not a marathon. Uh, sorry, yes, investing is a marathon, not a sprinter. Should have got that right. Um, and uh, they would uh, obviously like for you to go and have a look at how they've been helping investors over the last 25 years. And there's a lot of detail in and around that. Um, there's a range of other new information there. So do take some time to go visit our sponsors, sharewellsystems.com, to learn more. Now, they are a proud holder of an Australian financial services licence. However, as always, if you wish to discuss uh, anything about shares on a personal level, then you still need to do so with a licensed advisor. And past performance is no indicator of future performance, but as I like to remind you all, you don't end up in this caper for over two decades by accident. Now, at the moment, the market's up 1.43%. So we've uh, given it an extra 0.1%. Positivity abounds here on Spotty this afternoon. It's now time for our uh, uh, half hour of uh, manic thoughts. We're about to uh, push through a lot of companies, folks. So uh, uh, hang on to your hats and uh, have your pen at the ready. I want to go to Peter. Peter, who's always very kind, referring to Dexter and always being very polite, wants to know our view in regards to Lendlease. Uh, Lendlease, one of those perennial stocks, Simon, that's been on there for ages. I, you know, I've been investing myself personally for the last 18, 19 years, and I can say hand on heart that Lendlease has never been a stock I have ever invested a cent into. Have you? Well, what I find baffling about this question is that it's, it's, it's essentially it's a, a real business. It's not a buy now, pay later business. So, <laughs> there are some real but, investors out there, Simon. Maintain the faith, it, brother. They're there. It's 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 extraordinary. You know, it, we're going back to like five years. Somebody's asking a, uh, a question about a uh, an industrial company that. Oh gosh, uh, Lendler. It, it, it was a great business, it still is a great business, but one of the things that you'd have to 
ask yourself is post coronavirus, post COVID-19, what does the property market look like? There's been so many studies that have been uh, commenced as to uh, will people move out of the, uh, the city, will they stay in a high-rise apartment in Melbourne or will they move down to the Mornington Peninsula or, or something? Does the suburban backyard come back? Will people be concerned about, uh, about living in an apartment? There's actually so many changes coming uh, to these sorts of businesses that they affect even the air conditioning businesses like Dakin who are, are looking at some completely new technology that will, that will supply fresh air into, uh, in, into the apartment or, or the building uh, and not recirculate the existing air. So there's, there's a, a huge change coming. Uh, how do people fly in an airline with, uh, with the air, airflow as it is at the moment? So uh, turning back to Lend-Lease, I think that they're going to have to have a look at their portfolio very significantly and say, okay, well, where are people going to be wanting to live? Where are they going to move to? Are people going to go back into the city to work? There's so much water still to go under the bridge, I think, for a lot of these property companies. And, and we've seen that not just in uh, businesses like Lend-Lease, but the, the shopping mall operators. How do they move forward? Uh, the, the caravan park business, which is just on an absolute tear at the moment. And, uh, if, you, if you want to try and come into New South Wales and, and book a caravan, you're probably going to, it's going to cost you about two or three hundred bucks a night just to stay in a van village. So there's there's a lot happening in this, this sector. But Lendlease has been around for a very very long time, and uh, they're very they're good at adapting. So this might be the the change that they need to uh, to really make some uh, some difference. I don't know multi multi million dollar projects for the tiniest of margins with all the risk wearing on their shoulders has just always been a a bridge too far for me and yeah i'll have to contact you later and see get those details of that bloke for 300 bucks and get me across the border i reckon that'll be a popular man indeed at the moment uh michael though i'm going to stick with dinosaurs uh for the moment dinosaurs in the sense of well-known companies sharon has uh, also emailed us she wants to know our thoughts in regards to telstra a little bit different, though, because, uh, you know, well, uh, let's create the narrative. So Lend-Lease, the urbanisation of society and all that sort of thing. So there is a thematic, I suppose, for those that believe it. With Telstra, we're talking about building out the superhighway so people can watch more programs like this, for example, work from home and all that sort of thing. And we know the MBN is grossly inadequate. So after many, many years of toil and trouble, is now the time for Telstra to finally seize the moment and actually be part of someone's long-term shareholding? No. Right. Next question. Sorry, Sorry. no, kidding. Why? No, if you wouldn't Sorry. mind listening, why? For Sharon, for, um, yes, for Sharon's benefit. Yeah. Look, I mean, can you really trust Telstra to um, actually do a good job of whatever lies ahead of them? Look, I think... You know, at the end of the day, um, look, I mean, I'm taking a view that with, with what's happening with this pandemic, um, I don't think that uh, people will all want to continue working from home for, for many years from now. I think that um, as, as the risks subside, people want to get back to doing what they're doing before because that's what they want to do. That's why they did it. So um, I don't necessarily see this huge... Um, increase in you know tech spending to get people working from home they want to be out and about again um, i think with telstra you know you're you also have to bear in mind that that we've got a bit of a recessionary period here so you know spending on a lot of these new gadgets can be quite subdued as well but look at the end of the day telstra's just been one of those companies that hasn't necessarily um, provided shareholder value uh, as a share price it's been heading the wrong way um, and I think the real opportunity now for investors is in companies which uh, are mispriced. So if they've been oversold um, because of a doomsday scenario that doesn't end up happening, then you'll get a great share price appreciation. Telstra, we know what they do, sort of know what lies ahead of them for the moment, pretty much fairly valued. Um, I just don't see the, the upside um, in the share price uh, over the next 12 months. I think there's better opportunities elsewhere. 
Um, well, let's keep it with the um, telco infrastructure space. Oh, sorry, Sharon, just quickly in regards to your follow-up question, is the dividend uh, sure? Look, they took a lot of pain in regards to cutting their dividend not that long ago. Um, it was a very savage cut. It took a lot of people by surprise, took their breath away, actually. But I think that'll prove to be a good move longer term for them um, because I think that make, makes their dividend a lot more sustainable at the moment. And I don't think there's immediate risks to that being cut. But in terms of investment thesis, I'll uh, defer to uh, Michael's judgment in regards to that. But Simon, I want to go to another stock playing that infrastructure play um, in the telco space. space sorry. 5GN is their code. Uh, 5G Networks is their name. It's a company I wrote about in the AFR. They've had a pretty good um, day uh, today. If I just have a quick look here at their price, it's up uh, another 5.8% today, building out novel networks, of course, um, and also data centres too now in order to uh, you know, basically enable businesses to do what they do every day. Do you have a view on 5G Networks and the whole infrastructure tech um, theme? But this is an interesting space that they're, uh, that they're uh, I suppose, more dived into. I think the name is a little bit deceptive. It's called 5G Networks, but they're not in the 5G business. Uh, so, so people need to, I think, understand that if they're, if they're looking at, uh, at 5G Networks, you're not necessarily buying into uh, the, the 5G side of things. Where they're looking to grow their business uh, certainly is in that data centre space. But the data centre space is... Uh, is is hot as well. It was was hot before the buy now pay later space, and and the the kings of the castle uh, certainly has been Next DC uh, that have gone from a dollar to ten dollars. Uh, Macquarie Telecom uh, in the data centre business have gone from around two dollars fifty when you and I were um, uh, on TV not long ago. Uh, Elio, they're now about forty five dollars. Yeah. Uh, everybody seems to be talking about uh, again. Uh, being in the data centre business, everything's going to the cloud. Certainly, everything will go to the cloud, as as we're seeing. Uh, but but five G networks, it's I, I don't know how good the data centres that they're buying are, what the quality of them is. Uh, if you want to buy <clears throat> the best quality data centres uh, in Australia, you you just get you don't go past Next DC. Those guys are uh, they're the kings of the castle, and and they are the the the, the big Roots in the industry. There's some unlisted businesses, uh, Air Trunk, that was started by uh, Robin Kuda uh, a number of years ago that recently sold some Macquarie for $3 billion uh, in, into an infrastructure business. You've also got the uh, the towers uh, that, that Telstra own that, that, are gonna, that may very well be sold out and spun off for 5G. So it's a good space to be in. You've just got to be... Uh, I think you'd probably not all have all your eggs in one basket. You might have some some 5GN, have some Next DC, and, and have some of the other ones because uh, it, it's going to be uh, some are going to pull ahead and some are going to fall fall back. Uh, very much like the uh, as we're talking about the the open pays etc. That have a good run and then they have a bit of a pause. Yeah. So there's there will be some new entrants, but it's going to be very very tough for any of these guys to uh, to overpower Next DC at any stage of the game. Yeah, so it's a question of demand, uh, really. Can the future demand actually meet the uh, uh, supply that's coming online? And there's many that think that will still happen. Just an important note to uh, add to that, that we often refer to them as infrastructure type stocks. The difference being, as opposed to the normal utilities or the roads and the like, is that they don't pay a distribution, not yet, because they're investing so heavily on the land grab and trying to build their centres as much as they can. But obviously, over the coming years, you would hope that they'd eventually follow through. Michael, I'm going to ask about another hot stock, the hot stock of the retail space. It's Kogan. The question comes from Fiona. Kogan's code is KGN, of course. Um, she wants to know basically whether Amazon's aggressive move into Australia with what I have to say is an absolute piss week offering, but nonetheless, I'll uh, continue as we are. Um, are they a risk to Kogan over the long run, or is this simply just a, um, you know, you're buying the modern thematic? What's your view in regards to Kogan? Thanks, Michael. Um, look, definitely, you know, Amazon will, will be a risk. I mean, you only have to look at their track record um, to see that they have the potential to, to be a risk, even if they've made a poor job of it so far. But, you know, at the moment, Kogan's, you know, reaping the benefits of of what's happening at the moment with everyone at home. Um, you know, in some cases, a lot of people with 
with spare sort of JobKeeper cash and they're not out there um, spending it in, in the ways they'd normally spend it. So, um, you know, the big question that, you know, I have been asked about Kogan um, a few times recently. And I mean, the big question is, you know, can it continue to run? And look at the moment, it's, um, you know, it's got the momentum there. And, uh, you know, I think when I last spoke to someone about it a few weeks ago, it looked, you know, at crazy, crazily high levels, but um, here you go, it's, it's gone there up another go. few bucks. So, <laughs> um, you know, as we, you know, at the risk of starting to, uh, you know, quote Buffett and all that, but, you know, in terms of the irrationality of markets, you know, it can continue to, um, to surprise and you just have to, you just have to hang on. And, um, you know, I think if you want to figure out when to get out, um, I think with Kogan, if you run, um, I think from memory, a 10 day moving average against it, you'll find that the share price continues to, to hug that line. You might just use that as your trailing stop. As soon as it trades under that, get rid of it, goes back above it, get back in because it mm. seems to be, you know, it just has a nice sort of profile to it. It may well be over $20 before it reverses. So, um, you know, again, fundamentally, what's it worth? Well, we, we don't know what their earnings are. They're just, they've jumped so much recently that, um, you know, which way do you extrapolate and you end up with, with you know, wildly different um, sort of values. So you, you sort of just have to go with it, unfortunately. Yeah, that, that Maplat acquisition, uh, they gave an update on that, Michael, and it was exceptionally strong to think that people can buy, you know, their virtual home furnishings all online. It's just uh, phenomenal, but they've been able to integrate that so good. And that's further reflected in stocks like Temple and Webster and the like. And that's really been the catalyst for the next kick. But you're right. How do you put a valuation on this? It's definitely a momentum trade. So therefore, act that way and make sure you've got your stop, lo stop loss levels in place. Thank you very much for that, Michael. Simon, I'll go to a stock back into the software as a service space. I want to talk about Whisper. Uh, their code is WSP. Uh, that question came from uh, Greg as well. It was his second stock that he wanted to know about. Uh, just a work management system, so um, allowing companies to do what they do more efficiently and more effectively. Is it a stock that um, you've ever had uh, put across your desk there at Morgan's? Yeah, it's, <clears throat> this is another uh, another hot sector. It's, it's interesting <clears throat> the segue into this one from you talk about Kogan and you I was just writing a couple of notes. You look back at Temple and Webster, I think a few years ago, they were 40 cents now, they're $7.40. Yep. Uh, another one that's, that, that's just been absolutely on fire has been Marley Spoon, the, uh, yep. the, the food delivery guys that have, gone, yep. uh, that have just been on again on fire uh, over the last couple of weeks. And, and they've really taken off since the, uh, since the, the extra precautions were announced in Melbourne. Everybody must be sitting at home, ordering, uh, ordering, ordering booze online and, and, and online furniture, and with their their JobKeeper money and, and getting a food parcel delivered. It's welcome to the new world order. And and uh, Whisper is another one of these businesses that's in the uh, the, the the new space of, uh, of cloud-based workspace uh, management. There's uh, there's Elmo software. You've got um, Damstra, you've got uh, uh, um, uh, IHR, so it, it's becoming quite a crowded space. And again, it's there's going to be guys that, that, that win, and there's going to be guys that lose. There'll be some consolidation in the sector, but uh, Whispers are they're in a, a good position, I think, at the moment to 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 be part of this ongoing trend that's just not going away. Mm. Yeah, I think, you know, it, it is going to remain in place. I think it would be too hard to suggest that it uh, um, wouldn't be. And look, let's face it, it uh, uh, is getting a lot of support at the moment. And more importantly, a lot of capital being thrown at it. And that's uh, obviously what's keeping these guys going when they may not necessarily be profitable. Uh, gentlemen, I'll, just a few more before I ask you for your stocks to watch, because I'd like to get through as many, given it is the end of the week. So short answers, um, uh, if you can. Uh, the question that I wanted to ask about was uh, EOS um, is their uh, code, uh, all the uh, old electro systems, the uh, military guys. Michael, I might go to you on this one here because it's had a pretty solid uh, run up in recent times. Do you think that's uh, sustainable in the near term? Um, probably not, only because um, you know, not, not only think it's the company, but just 
looking at the way, it's very interesting to look at the way um, share prices behave to news announcements. So it had a, uh, I noticed it jumped uh, about a week or two ago on a on an announcement that the government was um, put an order in, um, and then it's just basically given all that up. So the market's not ready to um, to push it higher. So I think that there's no rush to to get into it. Yeah, and I think. There's that ethical question as well, of course, being that they're involved in the military and the like, that can always be tough. Uh, Grange Resources, Simon, uh, another name uh, from the past, looking at an alternative play at the iron ore space, even though they sell a lower grade ore. Um, you know, basically, he believes the MPAT's heading towards 60 million. This is uh, uh, Brendan, actually, who asked this. Profits heading towards there, dividend yield above 8%, yet the price is sitting at 24 cents. Is he missing something? The code is GRR for those following at home. Well, it's not a company that I'm familiar with, but it, if you go on the view that the market's always right, uh, <laughs> it's it, it's something that you need to look at. If this, if this is a business that's yielding 8% uh, when interest rates are, uh, are a fraction of that, uh, it might be worthwhile just doing a, a little bit more research on yeah, I mean, look, you know, you're looking at the business here. It has been probably its earnings has uh, gone down. It has rebounded a little bit from its um, uh, from its little low. But it's important to uh, remember that. Well, one, it's in Tasmania. Not that that's necessarily a bad thing, but it's not yeah not the hotbed of uh, iron ore production. And further to that, they make the pellets, so it's not the highest grade ore. And at the moment, the Chinese are consuming quality ore to build their buildings and the like, and they're doing that at a hungry rate. And that demand sees the premium iron ore producers do a lot better. Unfortunately, it's just going to be one of those stocks perennially range bound, I think, uh, Brendan. Last one before I get your stocks to watch, gentlemen, will be for Michael. Uh, the stock is 3DP is their code. I think that's Point Terror, if my memory serves me correct. Yes, Point Terror. Uh, the stock has actually boomed in the last uh, day or so on the introduction of a strategic shareholder. Uh, not that I know the chap, but apparently it's obviously carrying a bit of clout because it's broken strongly out of that range. Now, I know it's not your area of focus, Michael, but when you see these small caps have these huge breakouts, well, one, do you know anything about 3DP? And if you uh, do, great. But if you don't, what sort of advice would you give people when they see this sort of price action where basically nothing has happened forever and then all of a sudden something happens? Yeah, so you're right, I'm not, I'm not familiar with it, but the, the first thing, I mean, and this is for any investment, you need to think about your risk reward. So, you know, where can this thing pull back on the downside and what sort of upside can you expect? So, you know, we've had a share price that, that was trading at around five cents and has now jumped up to about 10 or 11 cents, um, you know, it may well kick on from here, but as, as we touched on with EOS before, it may well go back to where it, where it rallied, which means you're paying 10 cents for something that may well go back to five cents. So, you know, if you're potentially risking 50% of your dough, um, you need this thing to at least double in price from here. So if you're not confident that's going to happen, um, it's probably a waste of time to chase it up here. So um, that's, that's the main tip. Just have a look at where it could potentially go on the downside before you consider all the blue sky potential that you think your, your stock might achieve. And just remember, of course, that when it moves from five cents to four cents, that's a 20% haircut. You know, that's, it's just maths, but it's the way it works. So very sage words of advice there, Michael. All right, then it's time for our See the Light segment where we ask our guests to help us see the light on two stock opportunities each that they're looking at at the moment. Starting with you, Simon, if I could get you to limit it to around 45 seconds to 60 seconds each, which two stocks are you going to help us see the light on at the moment? Well, the stock that you just mentioned, 3DP, was, uh, was one of my two. <coughs> the Whoa, reason why excellent. Jumped, Here we go. The reason why it jumped yesterday was uh, there was an announcement of a, uh, of a capital raising to a strategic investor, and that strategic investor was, uh, was one Bevan Slattery of, uh, of uh, Pipe Networks, uh, yep. Megaports, NextDC. So the market's, the market's following. It's backing Bevan. That's why the stock's doubled when it came back on and, and I would think it would be a very brave person not to back uh, a serial entrepreneur like Bevan in, uh, in, in a business that he's, he's just bought at, uh, at, put a big chunk of his money in it 
of four or five cents. Well, it's not a big chunk of his money. He took about uh, put two and a half million dollars. But it, yeah. what it's done for the market is it's validated uh, their business and what they're doing. Uh, so this is not a not a stock that I would be uh, I would be selling out of. I'd be doing a lot more work on this business. And I remember Appen. For example, uh, you know, that went from two dollars to forty to, to thirty-five dollars, and people said, "Well, what do these guys do?" But uh, I know we're short of time. And my second stock is a company called Aspen, uh, which is also a, a regular company. It's uh, they're in the caravan park business and the uh, and the van village uh, uh, industry. They recently bought a, uh, a site in Burley Heads, which is a great site. Another one just near Merriweather in uh, in Newcastle. What's interesting about this company is that they recently reiterated their guidance, yeah. reinstated their dividend and had a very, very solid outlook for the future moving forward. And, and, and as a throw, not as a throwaway, but the other one you'd look at is, in, is, is INA, which is also in the caravan park business. And these guys have got properties all up and down the coast that you'll, you'll never replicate, you'll never be able to buy them again. All right then. So, Michael, what are the two stocks that you'd help uh, or want to help us see the light on that uh, investors should go out and do a little bit more research on right now? Yep. So, just a couple of household names um, coming at it from different angles. So, look, the first is is Fortescue, and and you yep. you gave a nice summary in terms of the demand for iron ore out of China. I mean, that's that's persisting. They're going to throw money. You know, they're going to continue to throw money at their economy. Um, they'll need more iron ore. Not much coming out of Brazil at the moment, um, and Fortescue. It's it's more resilient than you think in terms of the way it trades. It uh, obviously it came back in February March, um, but it more than surpassed uh, that previous peak and is trading at an all time high today. Uh, and even going back to the latter half of 2018, when the market had its uh, bit of a wobble there, it um, you know Fortescue actually didn't really pull back at all. It's uh, it's actually more resilient than you think. Um, and I think there's further upside from here. I think the share price would be eyeing that, that $20 mark. I mean, it won't head there in a straight line, but um, you know, for a stock that's you know outside of BHP and uh, Rio, I mean, you know, the cost of production is extremely low. They pay a, pay a good dividend. So I think it's actually one to consider for a lot of investors. Um, and the other one is Sydney Airport. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking for stocks which you know, I think, as I said earlier in the show, can benefit from the reopening of the economy. So at the moment, it's, you know, it's been smashed down. No one seems to be uh, flying much nowadays, of course, but um, at some point we will fly again. And Sydney Airport, uh, along with Qantas, they're, they're pretty much monopolies now. So, you know, Sydney Airport, you will have to uh, utilise their services when you start flying again. So I'd avoid companies like you know, Webjet Flight Centre, which are very discretionary, but Sydney Airport, it's there, it's a monopoly, they've got good funding. Um, it's just a case of the market starting to open up to the fact that, um, you know, people will fly sooner than maybe what's priced in and, and that'll be the catalyst. So, you know, I think down here at, uh, at these sort of $5 levels, you know, if you've got a 12-month view, um, you could end up with a pretty decent return. You know what I really love about that particular segment, gentlemen, was that we had four completely different stocks coming at really different angles. So, folks, if you don't have enough to sink your teeth into until we're next back on Monday, I'll go he. But uh, until then, look, on behalf of all of us watching uh, at home or wherever you might be across the world, even our friends that I sent here, I uh, just want to express our thanks first to Simon Bond from Morgan's Financial. Thank you very much for your contribution this afternoon. Thank you, Elliot. And uh, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities, our spotty debutant for today. Thank you very much for your contribution. And look, we sincerely hope that uh, you come on again uh, on the show in the not too distant future. Thank you very much for jumping Thanks, on board. All right, then next Monday, joining us will be Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool and Gary Stone from Sharewell Systems. Speaking of which, thanks again to our sponsors, Sharewell Systems, for agreeing to keep the lights on here. And remember to go to their new website, sharewellsystems.com, uh, to see how they help investors every single day, not just three days a week, which is what we'll be doing uh, next week. Uh, thanks again to Ticker for uh, take, or letting us take an hour of their prime time. Thanks, Mike, for pushing all the right buttons. Stay tuned for the Ben, Robin, Robin show which is coming up next until next week i'm elio damato you've been watching spotty and you know together we've been showing the spotlight on shares take care everyone
There are now more ways to watch Ticker. Download our apps for Apple and Android devices. We're live on Twitter and YouTube Live. And you can catch us on Amazon Alexa and Google Home. Head to the Ticker website for more. We all have a big idea. Uh, when I was a kid, I actually wanted to be a builder. Everyone working outside, music playing. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an ice cream man who offered free refills. But what does it really take to be an entrepreneur? You've got to have balls. To be a startup founder, it's definitely not for everyone. It's ins insanely challenging. No, balls and brains. A brand new show to inspire bright ideas. You know, being really determined and resilient to make it happen. The show is for people in our position, in the trenches, you know, trying to build a brand. The real story about startup life from the guys who founded Bayjuice. The best day of our life with Bayjuice is when Dan Murphy's called us to say we're going to trial your product in the store. There's an insane amount of challenges, but we always see the light at the end of the tunnel. Ticker launch. There are now more ways to watch Ticker. Download our apps for Apple and Android devices. We're live on Twitter and YouTube Live. And you can catch us on Amazon Alexa and Google Home. Head to the Ticker website for more. We all have a big idea. Uh, when I was a kid, I actually wanted to be a builder. Everyone working outside, music playing. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an ice cream man who offered free refills. But what does it really take to be an entrepreneur? You've got to have balls. To be a startup founder, it's definitely not for everyone. It's ins insanely challenging. No, balls and brains. A brand new show to inspire bright ideas. You know, being really determined and resilient to make it happen. The show is for people